You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Three timeouts left. JT Daniels steps up in that pocket. Hit as he throws. Going deep. Look at the court. Out of bounds around the 35-yard line. This is BetQL Daily with the Joes. Joe Ostrowski and Joe Giglio. Welcome back. It is BetQL Daily on the BetQL Network there. As you heard, some college football highlights. We are not far away from the start of the season. We started talking about it yesterday. We'll get to some Heisman talk coming up in a little bit. We're in that mode now. Football season, college football season around the corner, of course, there's always drama when it comes to college stuff. With realignment, now Texas and Oklahoma, it never ends. Let's bring in our guy, Brett McMurphy of Stadium, to talk about all this and the college football season to come. Brett, Texas, Oklahoma, it sounds like the move to the SEC, the uh, the seeds have been planted, and it doesn't sound like the Big 12 is happy about it. Yeah, no, they're not, and there's not really anything they can do about it. Uh, you know, Texas and Oklahoma plan to leave when the rights expire after the 2024 season. But uh, I believe that they will work to get this done and join the SEC in 2022. Usually whenever you have these realignment moves, you have these these schools and conferences locked into longer-term deals, but they always are able to get out of it and join the conference the next year. Uh, certainly the Big 12 could stop that and make for it. You know, they could force Texas and Oklahoma to play the next four years and honor their contract. But uh, as we've seen every other time uh, in the ex- during the expansion uh, phase the last dozen years, uh, you know, cooler minds pr- prevail and, and this, the teams are able to get out the next year. Um, but this is a unique circumstance because if you, you know, no, in any of the previous expansions, we've never had the two top teams from a league leave to go to another league. So maybe the Big 12, you know, sticks to their guns and, and makes Texas know you stay in the league for four more years. Yeah, Brett, the term Power 5 Conference uh, might be going away a little bit. What does this mean? Let's let's assume this happens. What does it mean for the Big 12, the Big 10, Pac-12, ACC? Well, I think specifically for the Big 12, um, basically their future depends on the Big 10, the Pac-12 and the ACC. And it's not this simple, but simply if any of those other power leagues decide to expand and add teams from the Big 12, there will, there will no longer be a Big 12 because that's where they're going to grab their members from. If the Pac-12, Big 10, and ACC decide, you know what, we're okay at our current membership, none of those schools are going to bring additional value to our league, we're going to stay where we're at, then the Big 12 survives. Uh, maybe they get out the retro Big 8 logos. Um, they'll have eight remaining members. And then the question is, um, you know, do they then want to get up to 10 
Do they want to get back up? Do they want to get back up to 10? Do they want to get back up to 12? Uh, certainly then they would look to a number of group of five schools, uh, the usual suspects, Cincinnati, UCF, BYU, Houston, Boise, um, those guys. I talked to somebody in the Big 12 last week, and they said, you know what, we may make more money per school if we survive with only eight members than if we add two or four group of five schools and get up to 10 or 12 members because then you have more mouths to feed. I wonder about that strategy, though. There seems to be the perception of strength in numbers, but you know maybe the Big 12 just decides to stay, stick with eight. But they've got to see whatever, what else is, is going to happen elsewhere. They can't, they can't dictate any moves. So they're kind of just sit, sitting by, hoping, crossing their fingers that, that their schools don't get picked off because then everyone's going to jump ship and uh, we could go from 10 leagues to nine conferences in the very near future. Brett McMurphy of Stadium joining us here talking some college football. Brett, the uh, the SEC Big 12 Texas-Oklahoma thing is, is kind of overshadowed what was going to be one of the biggest talking points coming into the summer with college football, which is playoff expansion, going to 12 teams soon. Uh, Brett, do you think this is going to be a good thing for college football when we get to the 12-team playoff? The 12-team playoff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I like the way they structured it where they said the top six conference champions would get a bid. So that basically does not guarantee any league a bid. Now, you, you're going to, you know, expect that the Power Five conference champs will be among the top six conference champs. But all you have to do is look at last year. Obviously, last year was a weird year with COVID. But last year, uh, the Pac-12 would not have finished in the top six conference champions. We would have had Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina in a 12-team college football playoff. And then with the additional six at-large teams, I, I think that's smart because then that allows some teams, maybe a team gets upset in their conference championship game, maybe somebody loses a couple of games early and then runs off 10 straight, but they can't get to their conference title game, but certainly they're, they're deserving of, of a playoff bid. Um, I really like it. And it, you know, it guarantees that at least one group of five conference team will get in. And so you're not going to have to worry about any issues from the group five suing the, the college football player for lack of access. You know, they're guaranteed a spot. Um, and as far as Notre Dame, I know a lot of people think Notre Dame gets screwed in this deal. I'm, I think the total opposite. Notre Dame does not have to play in a conference championship game. Obviously, they can't get a first-round bye because they can't be a top-four seed because they're not in a conference. But you know what? I think the way Notre Dame looks at it is we only play 12 conference – excuse me, 12 games. If we're in the top 12, more than likely we're going to host a, a first-round playoff game. They already have like eight home games anyway. It's going to be a ninth home. It's going to be a ninth home game. So you're yeah. going to add million, you know, millions of dollars to the South Bend community. What all that's worth. And I think their thinking is this will be our quasi conference championship game, a first round playoff game. And if we win this game, hey, we're in the we're in the quarterfinals with everyone else. Let's see how it plays out. And you know what? If we don't finish in the top twelve, whether we're in a conference or we're independent. We're not going to get into the playoff anyway. So what's their consolation prize right now? They get an ACC bowl bid, and guess what? Whoever has the highest available ACC bowl is going to take Notre Dame because they're freaking Notre Dame. So I know a lot of people think they got screwed because they can't get a first-round bye. 
I disagree. I think Jack Swarbrick disagrees because he's the one that helped come up with this model. But no, overall, I think it's great for college football that we're going from from four schools to twelve schools. Uh, I just wish it would have happened uh, a little bit earlier when my mater Oklahoma State finished third and didn't get into the two team playoff. No, you're right about Notre Dame, man. I, I, I go to a couple Notre Dame games every single year. Everybody in the college football world is mad about Notre Dame not being in a conference except for Notre Dame. They're, they're completely fine. Oh, they love it. They, yeah. they get the best of both worlds. It's, it's great, yeah. No question. Uh, looking ahead to this year, I think most people are going to look at the four-team playoff and say, well, we know Clemson and Alabama are going to be there in the end. Uh, throw out some other names. Give us some teams that uh, you think are going to be gunning for those other two playoff spots. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, uh, you know, let's let's play our interview from last year. I mean, Ohio State. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the same four. Um, but here's so you're not buying into to to some of the buzz uh, around like North Carolina or Washington or uh, who knows maybe USC making a move this year. Um, I think. I think the Pac-12 specifically, I think the perception of the Pac-12 is that it's not a very good conference because they haven't got to the college football playoff as much as the other leagues. I disagree. I think the Pac-12 actually from top to bottom is probably, I don't want to say better than the SEC or better than the Big Ten. There's obviously a different number of schools. I think they're more balanced. I think Overall, they're probably, as a whole, they're stronger. The, the problem for the Pac-12, you mentioned Washington, USC, you know, Oregon's done great with uh, Mario Cristobal. They don't have the one elite team like Alabama or Oklahoma or Ohio State that is so much better than everybody, everybody else in the conference that they emerge and they can get into that top four. The problem is they've been so competitive, they knock each other off. And I don't know if they've got that elite team to get to the to get to the college football playoff. I think North Carolina's got a great shot. I see Sam Howe expecting a big year out of him, and Mac Brown's done an unbelievable job there. Um, the thing that gets that gets you know they're obviously going to have to beat Clemson um, in the title game. What gets tricky for Clemson though is if you I'm sure you guys have looked at their schedule. I think they're. I think their regular season win total is 11.9 because um, basically it comes down to that Georgia game. Um, if they beat Georgia, there's nobody else that's going to challenge them. Um, absolutely nobody. They're going to be – I don't know if you guys have done the projected spreads on any previous shows, but I think they're going to be a uh, minimum of 14-point favorite in every game the rest of the year. That's the good news. The bad news is if they lose to Georgia – I don't know if they've got the schedule to climb back up into that top four. Certainly they would need North Carolina to have a great year and then beat North Carolina in the ACC title game. Um, But Clemson's kind of in a precarious situation where they don't have the games in conference to kind of help out their their profile. 
So they could be in a tough position if they lose to Georgia. I know Georgia's a, a four-point favorite in that opener. I kind of like Georgia. I think, you know, I'm one of the teams that hasn't been there recently. I think Georgia's got a good shot. But, you know, betting against Nick Saban is not smart. And I don't, you know, look, Saban, every year Saban loses six picks in the first round, ten draft picks, whatever. He's got a new offensive coordinator again, you know, Woe is me, poor Alabama. Um, until somebody knocks off Saban, it's hard to go against them. But certainly you wonder if maybe this is the year for Georgia. JT Daniels in his second year there with offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. They kind of opened it up a little bit last year. If they can just keep Kirby away from, from slowing down the offense and letting them open it up, uh, make sure Kirby doesn't call any ill-advised fake punts, I think Georgia could be a team they can maybe challenge to get into that four, maybe North Carolina. And then one other team real quickly. Um, I really love Iowa state. I like what they're doing. They've got to get over the Iowa hurdle though, early on. I know they're a favorite against Iowa. They, they, I don't think the last time they, they beat Iowa, I think was when they invented fire. So they've got to get <laughs> over that hump. Um, they've certainly proven they can, they can compete with Oklahoma. They can beat anybody in the big 12. Um, but they've got to get through the non-conference uh, undefeated. And then I think uh, Iowa State and Matt Campbell have a good shot of maybe being a surprise team in the foot, in the college football playoff. Brett, give us a couple names. Heisman Trophy favorite is Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma for good reason. He's with uh, a, a tremendous program, and, and they pump out great quarterback years there at Oklahoma. If it's not Spencer Rattler, though, give us a couple names that, that you have uh, your eye on potentially in this Heisman Trophy race. You know, whether we like it or not, it's, as you guys know, it's, it's a thousand percent a quarterback award. So I limit, I don't care how good the running backs are. I think they have absolutely no shot. Do I think that's fair? No, I don't, but that's the reality of it. Um, and it's also become almost a team award. Um, you know, we talked about Sam Howell earlier. If, if North Carolina can run the table, um, kind of similar to how LSU ran the table with Joe Burrow. I think Sam Howell's got a great shot. But if North Carolina loses a couple of games, he probably doesn't have a shot. So then you look at, okay, who's the quarterbacks at the teams that have a chance to, to compete for the national title? You mentioned Rattler. Uh, maybe JT Daniels, if George is impressive right out of the gate and they do, they, um, you know, are successful in the SEC, certainly he would have a shot. Um, if somebody in the, in the Pac-12 – Maybe USC, if Slovis, if, if, if SC runs the table. But if any of those schools have, have multiple losses, I think it hurts their Heisman chances. And the other thing with Rattler, certainly, you know, with what Lincoln Riley's done there and, and, the, and the OU quarterbacks and the Heisman races that have won and got to been a finalist, uh, certainly they're going to be a contender because Oklahoma's going to win 11 or 12 games. Um, but, guys, I think actually – Right now, if you go into the year as the Heisman favorite, I think it, it actually makes it harder because I think I don't, I don't think this is intentional, but I think the media immediately starts trying to pick holes into that candidate. What did they do wrong? Oh, they threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, but what about that interception? And I think they get nitpicked a lot. So it's almost better to kind of be like a horse race, to kind of be back in the field a little bit and then come up late in the year because then you're going to gain all this momentum and everybody's going to forget about the early games that they didn't pay attention to that maybe you didn't play well 
And obviously Joe Burrow is a perfect candidate. Obviously he came out of nowhere mm-hmm. um, and obviously put up some monster numbers. So if, if I had to bet on someone to win the Heisman, I don't necessarily, there's not anyone out there that really has a lot of great value. Uh, eliminate all the group of five players. Uh, real, realistically, they have no shot. Rattler doesn't have a lot of great value. I would just look at, you know, I'd put my money on something else. I just don't see a lot of value. And it, you're kind of depending on the success of the team more than actually the actual player. Yeah, that's some great points. Uh, some great handicapping advice when it comes to the Heisman Trophy. Last two winners came out of nowhere, as you just mentioned. You can get Devontae Smith at around 50-1 to 1 in December uh, last season. So, uh, yeah, we appreciate your time today. Uh, Brett McMurphy from Stadium. Uh, thanks, Brett. Let's uh, catch up again soon, all right? All right. Thanks, guys. And we got Heisman Trophy talk coming up. Can we find value? I bet we could do it. I think we can find a couple names for you. Is there value in the Heisman Trophy market? That's up next. It is BetQL Daily on the BetQL Network.